This is the Upgraded Life Podcast, Season 3, Episode 15. And in this episode, you're going to hear yet another zero-to-hero story from the one and only Sam Ocean. Sam figured out how to crack the code with digital marketing and copywriting, and he did it by leveling up his skills and refusing to take no for an answer. So let's get to it, me and Sam Ocean. Let's buckle up and go for a ride on the Upgraded Life Podcast. Hello, thanks for tuning in to the Upgraded Life Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Nick Sotelo. The Upgraded Life is my personal project where I help people realize and reach their potential. I've been a professional helper for 20 years. Here's what I'm convinced of. The life that you have right now and the life that you want tomorrow is a product of your personal mindset, mission, and movement. Each episode of the Upgraded Life podcast is going to give you something that you can do as soon as the episode is over to upgrade your personal mindset. Your mindset informs your mission. Your mission tells you how to move every single day. And together, that is the upgraded life. I am here with Sam Ocean. And Sam immediately caught my attention on Twitter. Over the last four or five months, I have been intentional about using Twitter for a variety of purposes. Also to to promote this podcast. And I like to find people who post content, but post meaningful content and that post content that actually has depth to it. And my yardstick for depth is how do they respond to people that respond to them? (laughs) And yeah, you can find people for me anyway, it's easy to find people who are swiping content from somebody else because the depth goes away almost immediately as people start to engage. Right. And Sam met that litmus test for me. And then lo and behold, we have a lot of overlap in so many ways that you just don't know on the front end. I am grateful for Sam to be here, and I'm going to throw it over to you next to give us a little intro to who you are and what you're doing and how you got started on this path. Amazing, Dr. Nick. I feel flattered with that intro, one of the best ones I've heard by far. So shall I just dive into the backstory, the long story short? Absolutely. Amazing. Yeah. So. I've been in this game for about nine years. And what this game is what I just call simply marketing, internet marketing, business development, things like this. But the journey into it has been a little bit interesting. So I had dropped out of college about a couple years in, and it's because it was just a hard environment for me to learn in and to really apply myself. The moment I dropped out, I just had a lot of motivation to create my own path. I didn't do much for about one and a half years because I didn't know what there was to do. And I just started coming across these different creators or brands online that started talking about the same thing. They started talking about entrepreneurship and I was like, oh, okay, these are people who go create their paths by building value in the world. So I still wanted to learn this game and I came across this company called Mind Valley. Back then, a lot of people didn't know it. Today, they're this big nine-figure marketing juggernaut that has content all over social media. And I wanted to go apply at that company because they're all about personal development. The issue was I had no skills. Like I didn't have anything. I didn't know market. I used to hate marketing and sales. Actually, I applied five interviews later. They said, you're hired. We're putting you on the customer support team because we don't know where else to put you. I flew halfway around the world to Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, which is where the headquarters were. And I lived there two and a half years 
some of the best times of my life. Where it all changed is the first week on the job in the office. The CEO called a private marketing meeting. Of course, I'm not invited because I'm not on the team, but I was hungry. So I snuck in to the back and I stood behind everybody. There's like 26 people. And he kicks the meeting off by saying, okay, everyone, we did half a million dollars in the last 24 hours of the launch. He kept talking like it was just a normal day at the office, but I, everything went blurry. I blacked out and something in my brain chemistry changed because I was like, how is it possible to do half a million dollars in 24 hours? So that set me on a mission to figure it out. I quickly learned it was all of the weird copywriters in the corner, writing the copy, creating the offers, building these funnels, and they're launching it to these audiences. And so ever since then, I just got into copy, got into marketing, got into direct response, and it led me to where I am today, to where you and I met. So that's the backstory of it. Absolutely. Love it. And there's going to be lots to dig into there just on that uh, preview to your life and what you're doing. Uh, so I'm curious, I'm one of those people that has three college degrees, right? And so oh, wow. you know, I persevered, I made it, whatever that means. And when you were in college, what was the idea? What was the vision? What were you studying? Oh, so I was very much in that realm where I, I didn't know what the path was going to be. So it all starts in high school. My parents never went to college. I, my, my birth mom was in India. So I don't know if you've seen the movie like Slumdog Millionaire, but it was very much like that for her. She was kind of abandoned in the slums in India. She got adopted by an American woman, which is like hitting the life lottery, I feel like. She got flown to USA. She got pregnant when she was 16, put me up for adoption. Just this crazy story. And so none of my family really went to college. And so my senior year in high school, when I figure out everyone's like getting accepted into these places, I was like, oh, can I get accepted too? which turned out to be the stupidest question to ask because I was supposed to plan for that a year before. So I was just gonna be a personal trainer. I was like, I liked health and fitness, so I might as well go down to Fairhaven on the water in Bellingham, open up a little shop and train people. That's what I wanted to do, but there wasn't a lot of passion behind it. Gotcha. <laughs> quick, so what was the moment when you realized you're in college, you're enrolled, you're going, and you're like, this is not for me. What, what happened there? It, yeah, it, there, were, there was, a couple, a, a few moments. <laughs> One, when you're a when you're a young man in college, at least for me, and you don't have much going on, I all I could think about was like, oh, there's that cute girl in the class. I wish I could go talk to her, have the confidence, whatever. So there's just this realization. I didn't, I couldn't pay much attention. I was just concerned about meeting other people, fitting in, belonging, and that wasn't happening. So that was number one. Two, I was in an art class and I painted this picture of a house and it was just terrible and the teacher gave me an a plus for effort and i was like that's so cool of her but what am i doing right now the final part is i did get my what is it at the two-year mark you get like a, a two-year degree or something i got that and i just had this flash forward moment where i was like i instantly was older later in my career and nothing significant had happened in my life. I never saw myself as special, just quite average. And so I saw a average life for me and I just realized, oh, I, I don't want to be average. And so I need to take an action that isn't average. And that's all I could think of is what if I just did this without taking this path? Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for sharing that. It's the, it's, I think 
that conveyor belt system of high school to college is it's on its last legs if you look around but i definitely was part of that where it was that was the path right you wow high school college and there was really not much other that was put in front of you and this for me would have been the late 90s so there wasn't the you know if you were going to find out about somebody who who was doing something exceptional entrepreneurship wise it was going to be through a book or through a newspaper or a magazine mm -hmm. or some kind of seminar that maybe a cassette tapes dare i say cassette tapes mm -hmm. but yeah. it isn't what happens today where via social media and the way that tech works your people have access to all kinds of amazing stories and i've had quite a few of them lately here on the podcast where very similar story as yours around having an experience of I'm, i don't want to do this anymore whatever this is and mm -hmm. then getting your mind blown like in your example finding a way into that meeting and seeing this example of half a million dollars in 24 hours if that's possible i need to learn how to do it that's it yeah yeah and dr nick let me just put this on the record i respect gentlemen like yourself because i'm not one of these college haters because there's a lot of that today yeah. i the people with the college degrees in my network are some of the smartest people i've met it is definitely harder to do and it takes a level of work ethic and dedication especially in that environment so leads into one of my philosophies today, which is I, I don't have this grand vision of impacting 1 billion lives because I don't believe I have that message inside of me. And that's okay because what I've found are the skills of amplification. So a lot of what I do is going to people who do have that message or do have the voice and just helping them amplify. And so that was that kind of, that seed was planted in college and brings me to where I am now. Yeah. And that's a great message too that's about knowing your game and playing your game mm. and, yeah. uh, and there's also a an element there of, of a zig ziglar if you help enough people get what they want then you'll get everything that you need and so good yeah absolutely okay so you're in that well before we go there though i just i have a question you can pass on it or not are you connected to your bio mom at this point in your life I am. So it was a planned adoption. It was, she got pregnant at 16 and she realized that she was too young to give me a good life or raise me. So we actually chose, she chose the parents who were going to adopt me. And it's interesting because the month before I was born, those two parents had actually pulled out. And so the next runners up, that was like their life lottery because my current mom who raised me, she wasn't able to have any of her own kids. So she was sad that she was number two on this list, 30 days, 30 days to go. Oh, hey, you're going to have a son. And it, it turned out to be really good. I see her about once a year with my mom, with both of my moms, you could say. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for that. Thanks for filling in of course. that part of the story. So nine years, you said you've been in this for nine years. So that mm -hmm. is what, 2014? 2014, yes. Yeah. So I was just wrapping up my PhD then in, in that, that time frame. Ooh, nice. And, and I always timestamp thing, things in the advent of the iPhone, right? So we're talking 2008, <laughs> so six years into smartphones. And YouTube was around in 2008 or nine, right? Yeah. 
So if you're nine years into it, you're on the first third of all things that we know today in terms of social media and everything that's come to be. So do you think about it like that? That in, in, in a lot of ways you're you're one you're one of the OGs. You weren't on the very beginning of it, but <laughs> yeah, the first wave. It's amazing you put it that way because I actually haven't considered it like that. I think you said it very eloquently. I started watching things like YouTube literally in 2007, so I could name all of the original YouTubers that anyone back then would know. Completely different game now. And I miss those times because there, there was a set of influencers and gurus who really just shared a great message, usually through blog posts and stuff. And that's really what got my journey started. None of those guys can be seen anywhere today with all the noise going on. But yeah, I just, I never, I'm not an entrepreneurial thinker. I wasn't born that way. So I never saw any opportunities out of it per se. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you're in that meeting, your mind is blown. I need to figure out how to do the process behind or the mechanism or the hack or whatever it was at that mm -hmm. point uh, to half a million dollars in 24 hours. So what was, what was the next phase there for you? So I, for some reason, I innately knew that I just needed to learn from other people. So just you got teachers, you got people who are smarter than you. So I'm like, I need to go find someone who can teach me. And I pretty much approached the head copywriter in the company who was one of the fastest growing, just coolest, smartest people there. And I approached him and I said, Hey, can you teach me about copy? So I'm a young, I'm a young guy. I don't know anything about networking. My approach was very not effective. And he said, Hey mate, I'm busy right now. Like he was like in the middle of working. So I just waited until he like got up to go to the bathroom. Then I approached him again. And we ended up going out to a lunch, two hour lunch, where he told me everything from the inside out with how this business works, how people are buying packaged information, how you gotta understand what your market truly wants and show me some examples of what copywriting looks like on a sales page into a funnel. And then if you get X amount of people to buy this at this conversion rate, you can make this amount of money and you'll be surprised how many people are out there. And so I was lucky to, I didn't have to buy a bunch of courses. I was just shown firsthand from the inside out how this all worked. Okay. So somebody breaks it down for you in terms of what the process is. Then what do you do with it? Yep. And so then I, all I have in my back pocket is what I call the hustle card. Again, I'm not naturally brilliant or talented or any of this stuff, but I do know how to work hard. That probably comes from a career in like basketball and sports. And so I just put my head down and I came into the office seven days a week, studied as much as I can, wrote as much as I could. And I tried to join the copywriting team. I wasn't good enough. And it wasn't until two years in where I finally found my path by proofreading every line of copy that went through that company, which I think was like 300, 500,000 words a month. And that was my four way to earn my stripes to join the team. Once I joined the team, I was number 12 on a team of 12 copywriters. So I was writing all of the, I don't want to call it the important stuff, but the work that you would give a number 12 person in a department. And I just had this realization. I was like, man, it's going to take me years to climb up to that number two or one spot to where I can write the stuff that brings in half a million in 24 hours. And so I made a hard decision to actually leave at that point and then go my own way, take everything I had learned and then just start to try and do this for other people as their number one. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we're speaking code a little bit in that mm -hmm. 
there's a lot of people who don't even know what copy is or what mm -hmm. copywriting is. Yeah. Uh, so can you explain that when people talk about copy, what does that actually mean? Yeah. So the long story short of it is it's just words. So it's the writing that we see on websites and specifically designed to sell a product. So to be persuasive, to be convincing. So the way I always explain it to my family is if you're scrolling Facebook or you're scrolling YouTube and you see those ads pop up, I'm the guy who creates those ads. And if you've ever clicked on an ad and you go to another page, I'm the guy who writes all the words on that page. And so I'm trying to sell stuff online through the power of words. Gotcha. Yeah. Perfect. Thanks for the, yeah. The way, if you make it make sense to mom and dad, that's probably a good ex explanation there, right? And exactly. So, yeah. And okay, so you're there, you find a way onto this team, you're 12 of 12, and then you realize again that I'm not, this is not going to take me where I want to be or where mm -hmm. I need to be. And so you package up everything that you've learned and then you move on to something else. So what was the something else then? Ooh, this is another great story. So I left and I didn't have any, I didn't have a transition plan. Cause again, I wasn't smart with this. I was still young. I was still learning this stuff. I was one of the youngest people in the company at the time. And so I went home, I moved back in with my mom. I had no, I didn't build any connections or I didn't have any potential leads. So what I did is I went to this job board, it was called ProBlogger. And it was just a job board for companies looking for copywriters. So people to write stuff on their website. And I just went back through the last 90 days of posts, made a list of the top 50 companies that looked exciting to work with. I didn't know if they found their copywriter or not. And what I did is I relied on that hustle aspect that I had, and I went to their websites. And if they had a product page, I rewrote their product page and then I would send that to them in an email for free. Rewrote the whole page, send it to whatever email I could find. And I just said, hey, I rewrote your page, check it out. I did that 50 times and it took me about 45 days until the first person got back to me and said, hey, this is really cool. Can we hire you for a test project? Of course, I said, yes. The test project was for $20. And so what did I do? I said, yes, of course. So I did the test project, 20 bucks, turned it in 24 hours later. And they were like, wow, that this is really cool. Can we hire you for another one? I'm like, of course. This time it's a $75 test project. It's a little bit bigger. Again, I spend the weekend, crank it out, give it to them. Like, there's no way I'm dropping this opportunity. I'm just going to say yes to everything. Third test project is $300. This time they give me what's called a VSL, which is a video sales letter. It is a video script that their founder is going to read about 20 minutes long. And the point is it needs to be persuasive so it can sell their product at the end. So I write it, 300 bucks, they test it. So they run it in their actual business. They send people to it to see if it works and it flops, nobody buys. So in my head, I'm thinking, oh, I suck at this. They're not gonna wanna come back to me and hire me or whatever. I get an email like a week later and they said, Sam, we really love your work ethic and we have a lot of copywriting needs on a monthly basis, how much do you charge per hour? I said, I charge $25 per hour. And they're like, great, we need 25 hours a week. Can you do that? I did the math. I was like, of course I can do that. So I landed my first $2,500 retainer after having a bomb of a project. And that was my first client, my first creating my own income through hustling and finding and doing all the work. And from there, it just snowballed up through referrals and word of mouth. The hustle card. It the hustle hard. card. 
in the back pocket. Yeah, in your back pocket. Love it. Yeah. And who put that hustle card there in the first place? Oh, it was when I was, I must have been seven years old, me and my dad. So my parents were divorced, but everything was great. They were all friends. I'd spend the weekend at my dad's house. He was a big sports fan because he grew up in Huntington Beach, California. So just a big SoCal sports thing. He showed me this video clip of an NBA basketball player, Magic Johnson. And I just fell in love with how he played the game. He put on a show, he was always smiling. And I felt like that's what I wanted to be like. And so I just worked very hard to be as good as Magic Johnson was. Now he's six, nine. I was only, I'm six foot today. So I wasn't able to make, I wasn't able to go as big as I wanted to, but I learned how to work hard in the field of sports. And when I stopped that and I stopped college, I was like, all I have is that dedication. So I'm sure if I take that hard work and I just put it into whatever next thing I do, as long as I'm excited about it, I'm pretty sure I'll do okay. Nice. And that's another great yeah. story of, of where that came from, right? Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you, you land this gig, this, this legitimate income stream for yourself. And I also, I hear echoes of how Gary Vee talks about the way that he made it and the things that he did wow. and i've i haven't tuned into him for a while but for a long while he would say the same things on repeat and he would tell people i'm telling you the same things because most people don't do them and there's a huge opportunity here and one of the things that he would say is take your smartphone get instagram Look at all the business people that are trying to use Instagram to promote their business and how terrible it is and show them how to do it the right way. And so when you were explaining your process, I took 50 companies that were looking for copywriters or potentially had a need and I rewrote one of their pages and I sent it to them. To me, I was just like, yep, there it is. Wow. Uh, Find somebody that's doing something that you can improve upon and do it for them and put your money where your mouth is because there's a big shell game that's going on right now. And I know that you know it because you're in this world, but the shell game is people will do that approach. Hey, I'll do this and that. They'll get the gig, but then they turn around and outsource the work to somebody else. Mm -hmm. And then the product is usually not very good. And And I've been the victim of that here and there. And it forced me to learn some of these things on my own. So that way I I could see through it when I, if I know somebody's just going to turn around and outsource it to somebody else. Mm-hmm. There's a lot, there's a lot of that going on still today. And it's sickening, at least for me to see. And I try to do everything I can to put the warning out. So people don't fall in, into that same scenario. For example, podcasting, right? Um, there's a lot of services out there for to helping people to produce their podcast. You just do the recording, send it to us and we take care of the rest, right? We charge $80 an episode, $125 an episode. They're just turning around to Upwork or Fiverr and having somebody else do it, right? They're not mm-hmm. actually doing it themselves. So when there's an issue, they can't help you, right? <laughs> you yeah. have to go hunt down the person that did it for them. And uh, that's one of the scams that exists, at least in the podcast world, where people turning around and outsourcing things. Yeah, just that piece when you were talking about what you did to land that gig, it just had to me had a Gary V vibe in it, but you were contemporaries with him. Maybe even one <laughs> of the ones that you were watching early on in YouTube. So 
you seem like a repository of these examples and stories. I had no idea that he would say stuff like that, but it makes sense now. And I will typically tell people when you're on this zero to one stage, so we met over Twitter and Twitter, there's 90% of that crowd are people who are trying to make their first breakthrough or hit their first milestone. So I would call them somewhat beginners. And especially in the world of marketing, the best piece of advice I have is go work for someone for free because you don't even have any positioning, right? Do it for free. They're going to see your work ethic and they'll start to pay you. And I just see that over and over. So I, I think scale is a bad word to your point about people who charge a lot and then turn it around and give it to a junior. I never took the agency route. And it comes to that phrase that I believe we both know is you're not going to be happier running a seven figure business. You might actually be happier running a six figure, which is that whole idea of closer versus more right? Scale is just a more ideology. And so I think it burns just people on both sides. Yeah. And it's just, and people don't understand uh, when something scales successfully, we get to see the end product of that, right? Mm. But we have no idea what that person did or how they did it or why they did it. And, and like I said, closer versus more is a huge aspect of of anything that you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. I work a lot with dads, helping them really internalize closer versus more. And it's the idea that you ask anybody, what is it that they really want? We, you and I both know that it boils down to some type of time and money freedom. Mm-hmm. Time and money freedom for what? To actually be with the people that you say are most important to you in your life. But mm-hmm. how many times do, we, if we're gonna scale, if I'm gonna scale this, I'm actually going to be spending less time with the people that I say are important to me in my life and helping people understand that trap and avoiding it altogether is something that I take great pleasure in, in, in showing people what that's all about. And I'm not perfect. I got to hold myself accountable to that same thing. So it's a very honorable mission because I haven't even reached the levels of success that I dream for and have ambitions for. And I, even today experience that dichotomy of, is this a closer thing or is it a more thing? I feel like the grass is greener on each side. When I'm working, I'm like thriving and I love it and I enjoy it, but then I'm not hanging out with my family or my girlfriend as much. When I'm doing that, I got that thing in my head where like, oh, I could be working, I could be doing something. So I'm definitely still in that mode. And I think there's seasons for these things, right? Sometimes uh, there there are times when you need to sprint in terms of more uh, yeah. you can't sprint forever and you, and you need to have some parameters that can, if you're going to go after more then you need to have parameters around it right because mm-hmm. otherwise you're going to crash and burn and I, I did that i went back into a position that i once held in my career knowing that i was only going to do it for four years mm-hmm. and it was the cap to this phase of my life and my career, um, it did demand more time for me away from friends and family, but it was time limited. And mm. it allowed me to cap off that career with retirement in a way that it boosts the formula for my payment output when I am able to retire. But there was, it was family agreed to it. This is the decision we're going to make. Yep, do it. But once the four years came out, uh, 
I was out. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. I know you've probably seen this even in different companies I've worked at is the, the question eventually comes up, which is, hey, so like, when are you going to move on to your next big step? Is there are people who are more senior or you can tell they've hit a growth cap and they'll say something like, oh, I'll give it another three years, literally three years later. Hey, here we are. What are you going to do next? They're like, oh, I'm going to stay another three. There's just this, perpe- there's not an end goal. So they're just perpetually on the, they're just drifting on a certain path. So I've seen that pattern more often than not. Yeah. And I was state government. So I saw it around me all the time. Oh, wow. You get sucked in. And my wife was in a similar career path and we had, we're approaching 20 years in and we we both realized Mm -hmm. that we're not going to do another 20 years. Yeah. And she pulled the ripcord first, (laughs) then I pulled it second. And people in our world, in our sphere, probably think what in the world? Cause we, we were the dual income family, both six figure earners at this point in time. And you, you're just going to quit. You're just going to, you're just going to walk away from it. But it was definitely a, a closer versus more dynamic. And we both realized that, nope, we're not going to, we're not going to put another 20 years in, into this and then wind up like all the people that we saw who weren't any happier. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Wow. So talk to me about that, that zero to one progression that I've seen. You, you said it here. And then I've also seen it posted on the things that you put out there content wise. Zero to one happened very quickly for me. So once I, the, to me, zero to one was getting that first project, which took me 45 days. After that, the universe was just on my side and the right people in my network needed help or they needed to introduce someone to a marketer who could help solve the problems. And I just quickly met some of the right people, like some of the people we know who also introduced me to some of my bigger clients and bigger names. And so after that zero to one, I call it like one to 10, I just quickly built a reputation. I was always up-leveling in skills. So I never stayed a copywriter, AKA just someone who writes words. I started to think about, okay, what does a marketer do? I kept hearing like, you can make more money if you upgrade your skills. So that was my perpetual journey. Like what skills do I need to have to make more money? And so the skills of marketing, Again, this is going to be more code lingo, but things like increasing AOVs, decreasing CPAs, how to build ascension funnels and how to build maximum lifetime values, offer ecosystems, things like this. It doesn't make sense to a lot of people, but I learned how to do this. And then my career just kept going up. And yeah, there's not much that happened in the zero to one. I would definitely say I'm in that going from 10 to 100 at the moment. And that part seems to, once you get it, it seems to just kind of go. Yeah. Yeah. And so... One of my other mentors taught me, and I just echoed this yesterday in a training that I was giving, that the market <laughs> only pays for three things, always has, and always will. And it's knowledge, skills, and connections. If you're not happy with the way that you're being compensated in your life, and compensation in the big frame of the word, then you have to look at your knowledge, you have to look at your skills, and you have to look at your connections. Mm. And recognizing where it is that maybe you have the the most room to grow and then getting after it. I love hearing you talk about how you were in this constant mode of of leveling up your skills along the way and and not settling and then asking the question, what's next? I'm a copywriter. Now I'm a marketer. What does that mean? And how do I do that? And how do I sharpen my skills there? Did your mentor ever say if one of those are more important than the other, or do you have a belief on that? I believe it's connections. Mm-hmm. And, and especially 
in today's day and age because knowledge used to be a commodity. I don't think it's a commodity anymore, meaning it's not something that holds a market value that has the supply and demand uh, hydraulic behind it. Uh, yeah. Meaning literally anything that anybody needs to know or wants to know, they can punch it into their smartphone and they'll have it. And then hopefully we'll get here too with the advent of generative AI. It's even more accessible than it ever was, right? And it may not come with the fancy certificate that says you went here and persevered for four years or two years, or in my case, too many years. But nonetheless, the knowledge is still there. And as an employer that hired, that interviewed and hired people, I really didn't care if you had a degree or not anymore, mm -hmm. right? So the degree, this is why I tell people, the degree only really demonstrates one thing. And as long as you know that going into it, that's okay. But it only demonstrates one thing, that you can start and finish something. Ooh, that's good. Yeah. Other than that, it's who knows what that degree actually provided you with. So, but I think it's connections. I think, and I did not used to believe this. And I probably spent too many years being a sourpuss about connections right? because this idea of it's not what you know, it's who you know. And I really did not like that. And that was part of the reason why I pursued as much higher education that I, as I did, because if, I, if somebody was going to pass over me, they were going to have to pass over something big in order to get there in terms of what I thought, a degree mm -hmm. in, in education and whatnot. But I truly think it's connections that when President Obama came out there and said, hey, you didn't build that, I thought that was one of the biggest lines of, of garbage that I ever heard. Mm -hmm. But I had to humble myself and realize that Nobody gets anywhere without the help of somebody else, right? If what is it? If you want to go so, somewhere fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so I think it's connections. I think that myself, I'm always looking for ways to. This is how this happened, right? You and I talking here on this podcast. It's it's about always looking for an opportunity to make a meaningful connection. Sometimes that means I'm asking for something. And sometimes that means I'm offering something, right? And mm -hmm. I, I truly believe that's in today's world, that's probably the most valuable one is to be upgrading your connections on a continual basis. I'm 110% in agreement with you because if I could go back and do things over, I would actually not hustle so hard on all of the skills and the studying of this stuff but I actually would have spent more time with other people and strategically the people who are going to look like they're going to do big things. A lot of my biggest roadblocks was simply just not having anyone in my corner, even though I had the skills. And that's just one of those harsh realities of this world. That's that whole idea of how come there's a musician who's quote unquote, not that good, but they're getting millions of views and followers, but there's very talented people who just don't. And so, what I learned working at these big companies and seeing behind the scenes is I came up with this quote, which is, there are no shortcuts to success unless you know the right people. And I've seen that over and over. I've seen people who are no smarter than me, who are no more talented than me, get better opportunities than me because they simply knew the right people. And almost what you said, it's not what you know, it's who you know. I'm now starting to shift that as I build a brand on Twitter, which is it's not just who you know, it's who knows you. And 
that's been an interesting perspective shift for me. Absolutely. I love it. Yeah. Uh, and I think this plays out in so many different areas of life. And I pride myself as being a, a connector of people around these things, right? If uh, I tell anybody that comes across my path, if you ever need anything, reach out and I'm happy to leverage my network for your benefit Ooh. because you never know who I know that's going to be able to help you do what it is that you need to do. And one of the things that I, my PhD is in counseling. I, my, I'm a full-time professor. And if you try to seek out mental health services right now in 2023, you're going to get put on a wait list. Mm-hmm. It's just the reality of it. And it may be weeks and months to get in to see somebody. Um, so I'm, I usually bat eight out of 10, meaning if somebody comes to me and says, I need to get in to see somebody, I'll just open my network up and I'll call them. I'll call somebody, text them, hit them up and say, hey, you got an opening? I, I, need, I know somebody needs some help. Not really. So come on, do you, I, this person needs some help. Okay. And then they'll say, how did you get that? I've called 15 people and I can't even get anybody to call me back. So I know, I get it. But that's the reason why I maintain these connections with people and not for my benefit, but to hopefully be able to help somebody else out with that. So just one example of where I think connections is so important. And then when I'm teaching and training other mental health people, I tell them to do the same thing. Yeah, you may not be able to say yes to everybody to bring them in to work with you, but you having people that you know that you can turn them to is just as valuable. Brilliant. Great, great example. So Twitter, you said that Twitter is the new frontier for you. You What made you turn into that? Because I avoided it for a long time Mm -hmm. uh, in preference to other social media platforms. And I'm still pretty clumsy on Twitter, but I'm I'm hopeful that I'll I'll get better at it. But what turns you to Twitter and how's that path been for you so far? It's so... I've always been a Facebook, Instagram guy. A lot of people in my network are that too, because us marketers, the depth of kind of my circle are called paid advertisers. So the, the YouTube ads and the Facebook ads, it's the people who are responsible for doing that. We just spend our time on Facebook and, and Instagram and YouTube. And so I never, I always heard it's good to build a personal brand. And I've tried four times in the last nine years and I've deleted it every time. What I mean by deleted it is I would literally delete the Facebook so I couldn't log in again because nothing existed. Same with Instagram. And I just, there was something about it where it was just so much easier for me to go through my network to get clients or to network and get projects. And so instead of spending time talking online, I wanted to allocate that time to like doing and building. And so that was a great decision because I became very talented at what I do today. And I do have, I think, a good reputation with the right people. But what hit me is I had a moment within the last year where things were great. And then a week later, because it's client-based, my income and my opportunities were attached to them. And things started to feel rocky at some points. And I felt like I, I don't have the ability to just snap my fingers and get the opportunities I need because my network has those, but it, it depends if they know anyone or if anyone has that need right now. So it was that paired with Hormozy. He had that video where he was like, oh, I thought I was rich until I saw Kylie Jenner become a billionaire just for being an influencer. 
And I was like, okay, if he can get over it, if he went from personal brand suck to I'm going to go all in, then I can do it too. Cause I know there's benefit to it. So that's the second reason. The third reason is because the model I run today is a unique one. I call it publishing. I am the, I'm the silent equity partner to other famous kind of front facing personal brands. And so what I have done is I now just go to people who have the attention, which is one of the hardest things to get in business. I go find the people who already have it. And I say, Hey, I will do all of the marketing sales operations, everything for you. I'll even fund it. You don't have to pay me a single penny. You don't have to do a single thing. All you have to do is keep, keep making content, keep being famous. I'll take care of the rest. Very easy deal to strike. So that's what I do now. And I work with other personal brands in the market of helping people build a personal brand. And the final thing I didn't, the one thing I didn't want is I didn't want a potential client or the market to be looking at this guy and then they find out that he has a business partner who doesn't have a personal brand. So for my partners, so there's no crack or flaw in the positioning, I am taking it upon myself to really apply this, build a personal brand so we can be a company of all the founders in this company are all doing what they're advising other people to do. Absolutely, yeah. So that goes back to my a warning that I gave my PSA a little bit ago about be wary of people that are, teaching, training, coaching you, selling you into something that they're not actually doing themselves. And so, exactly, absolutely. So exactly. You, you can't be as authentic as possible. You're still effective, but to be authentic mm -hmm. as possible, if you're in the business of helping people establish their brand, but yet you don't have a brand yourself, uh, you know, are, are you missing opportunity that way? And, yeah. yeah, absolutely. So I want to jump into brand a little bit, but I, I do have a lingering question too. Did you ever master the VSL? That's an interesting question. There are contexts. So I think the straight up answer is I am really good at copy. I'm really good at marketing. I'm really good at VSLs. I don't have an example of one that built a $10 million company or anything. There's, there are certain industries that I have been pulled into when you're when you have the skill set that I have, which I see is quite unethical. It's these industries that sell to very elderly people, a second chance or whatever, or these supplements that offer fake promises. That's where the money's made when it comes to doing VSLs. And I never wanted to be a part of that. Yeah. I have buddies in my network who can do VSLs better than me, but I can in a different context, I can do it a lot better as well. Yeah. Yeah. I just, it was there when, on your story about how you bombed on that VSL. So I wondered if oh, you ever, because yeah. I, remember, I remember the first graduate course that I taught and I bombed it and I, I wanted so badly to, to get a second chance to do it. And I did, and I yeah. still teach that course to this day, but wow. it was that initial sting of, oh my gosh, that was terrible that I wanted to redeem myself in that. So amazing. Yeah. So quickly or not quickly again, some decoding. So when somebody says brand and building a brand and personal brand, I know what that is. At least I think I do. But I remember one time trying to explain it to my boss in my former job. He's like, you mean like a cattle brand? <laughs> and yeah. I was like, actually, yes. If you think about what that signified to ranchers at one point in time, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. Right? If you see that mark, you know exactly who that person is, where that, where that ranch is located, where that livestock came from in terms of its pedigree. So yeah, I do mean 
hot iron brand on, on the side of, of a cow. Yeah, that is what I'm talking about. If you really understand what the purpose of what that meant back then in the Wildwest. My story aside, what, how do you explain what brand or branding is in today's climate? I like yours, so I might have to go test that out with some other people. I have a very simple brain. I don't have complex definitions of much. And so for me, I just look at it as a personal brand as two things, how people view you. So how other people view you and how many of them have that same perspective. So it's this idea of quality and quantity. So quantity is easy to understand. Does 10 people know you or does 10 million people know you? Okay. I typically a better personal brand would have more people, but it gets a little bit more nuanced because qualitatively, it's like, what do they think about you? And so if we are in the world of business, there's usually, you usually build a personal brand for some strategic goal. Everyone in my world, it's to build a business, make more money, have more freedom, things like this. And so the qualitative thought that we want people to see us as is a type of problem solver, someone who can help them with a very specific thing and someone I'd be willing to spend or pay money to. And so <clears throat> I view brand very simply put as those things. And I'm always like, okay, what are the actions we can take to go create those, those effects really? It tells me a quality and quantity of brand is two things to tell me what they are again. Yeah. So the quality is simply what people think about you. So an example of what might be bad quality is, oh, stay away from that person. We don't want that as a brand. The good one is, oh, you have to meet this person. So that's what we want to aim for. And then quantity being like, how many of those people share that same idea? It, if you look at the crowd that you're building a personal brand for, you could have only a hundred people know who you are, but if those are some of the most hundred powerful people in the world, then that's a very strong personal brand. So it's a mix of the quality and the quantity. Yeah. And yeah. that's a closer versus more type decision as well, right? It is. Everyone's trying to get more. It's funny. Everyone talks and says followers aren't important. Yeah. Everyone's trying to get more followers. It's interesting that this game we play, I've always been the guy where I don't have a lot of followers, but the ones who do follow me are big players. And I, I take a satisfaction in having been able to build something like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 So thanks for that breakdown on mm -hmm. brand. I think that Coca-Cola, Michael Jordan, Disney are some of the most recognizable brands around, around the globe. And, uh, um, and it's also understanding that at an individual level, a solopreneur level, that branding is equally important. And I loved what you said there about what people expect when they come across you. Because to me, it almost, and correct me if I'm wrong, but to me, it's almost like you have a brand, whether you intend to or not. Mm -hmm. uh, because if you, if you are an scrupulous character when somebody sees you, they're going to be like yeah let's, let's go away from this person exactly the the, the common majority of people so like you you said it perfectly the your personal brand is not something you choose it's just happening at all moments based on what you do what you say and who sees it right so most people have a personal brand of maybe i don't know 50 maybe 20 to 50 people know them and it's like oh yeah sure that guy I'm like that, you could change that. You could improve that and you could probably get different things that you want in life. And so 
it's just knowing it's happening anyways. So why not take some small actions to create some big outcomes to make that work for you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, those, let me ask this in terms of, I guess I already know the answer. I'm still struck by the hustle card in your back pocket. And <laughs> yeah. uh, I want to say or believe that we all have that hustle card and maybe we've lost it. Maybe we've misplaced it or maybe somebody swiped it from us. But when you were talking about hustle card, um, the few questions that I do ask people before they come on is what's their take on mindset. And so when you mm-hmm. described, when you described hustle card, I was like, Oh, this is his take on mindset there to a certain degree and so yeah so it is a question sam that i do ask everybody is what's your take on mindset and then how did mindset play a role in your process in your journey and i can already know it's part of that hustle card mentality but what's your take on mindset for sure the hustle card is how my mindset has always been expressed so i'm definitely learning to be more strategic because as we both know you can't pull out the hustle card and then keep it out or else you'll burn out. You got to put it back, relax, rejuvenate. Mindset to me is, again, simply put, we have this voice in our head or this internal dialogue and we talk to ourselves through it. I think that voice is what our mindset is and it can either work for you or against you. And so a very tangible example is if you have a, if you have a goal and you know you need to start waking up at 6 a.m., when 6 a.m. hits, what does that voice say? Is it like, stay in bed longer or is it like time to get up and let's go so to me the voice that says stay in bed longer that's more of a negative mindset compared to the goal you have the voice that says yo let's get up it's time to go that's a positive mindset and so that's how i view it it's purely context dependent on what your target or what your purpose or north star is in life Right. And so maybe staying in bed is the right thing to do because you're actually in a stage of your life. Like you said, it goes in waves and cycles. You're actually in a wave where you're like chilling and relaxing and planting seeds and rejuvenating. Stay in bed till nine. So that's how I view it. Yeah, absolutely. It's that voice. And in in my training in the realm of mental health and psychology, you know, take this for what it is too. But sometimes is that voice yours or is it somebody else's? Oh, that's so good. What is the answer usually? It's usually somebody else's for most it, people. It's split. Some, it's usually, it's one of three things. It's either mine, it's somebody else's, and then they know exactly who it is, or it is a voice that they they don't actually, they can't place on oh, interesting. a particular person. Yeah. Yeah. And when it's theirs, it's usually easier to work with, in my opinion. When it's somebody else's that they can identify, they're usually wrapped up in, in some way, psychologically, trauma-wise, with the, who uh, that person is, right? Okay. It can be difficult to un, untangle that one. And then the one where they can't place it, it's even harder because they don't really have any, they don't know why or where it's, the, why it's there. So anyway. Okay. We got to interview you someday because I know there's a wealth of stories and information in there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'll be all for it. Uh, so to, to wrap this up, for somebody who is, they have an idea, they are embracing Twitter, let's go there, and they've heard this, brand is important. What are the next steps for them if they're starting with a brand new account? Like, How would you guide them or what would you point them to? Oh, it goes back to one of these th- themes of 
It's all about networking at this stage. I have seen accounts go from zero to 8,000 followers, quality followers within a matter of months, three to four months, just because you network with the right people, those people want to see you win. And whenever you put yourself out there, they are publicly championing and supporting you. And that in and of itself is social proof. And it's not so much about just, can you create the best stuff? You should aim for that, but that takes a while. It's, can you go create the best connections? Can you go add the most value and make it so lopsided to where every time you talk, that person's like, man, I owe you something. I'll get you. you tell me what you need and I'm there for you. Just keep it there. Yeah. That's, yeah. Uh, that, that's great. To loop back to a part of this conversation there. Uh -huh. So it's that inner, it's that inner voice though, that probably might stand in somebody's way about, oh, I don't know if I should reach out to somebody. I shouldn't send this person a DM there like you teach me everything you know about copywriting. Get out of here, kid. <laughs> yeah. You, you go back up again. Okay. Let's go out to lunch. And that's what it takes, right? You're going to get told no, you're going to get ignored. People are busy, right? And, uh -huh. and there's a lot of noise out there, right? And so keep after it. And I love how you circled back to connections with that. I honestly didn't think about that. I, maybe intuitively, but I didn't directly think about that being the path. Like you said, I can hustle hard myself to death, or I can make meaningful connections with people that can get me where I need to be or want to be. Yeah, love it. Yeah. yeah. I have this example, which is there's this guy named Mr. Beast. He's the most popular. A lot of people know him by now. He's over 200 million YouTube follower, just a prolific creator. And I tell people, how, what would happen if Mr. Beast said your name and said, go follow this person for 10 seconds in one of his videos? He's known for giving people a million followers in 24 hours by saying, go follow this person. And I'm like, that's a strategy right there. If you like networking literally is a strategy to growth and getting exposure, you just have to go to the people who already have that attention and you have to truly give them something that makes, you know, you valuable to them in their network. So I'm just, I'm thinking about that every day. Absolutely. Perfect. Yeah. Love it. Love it. And that's, that's a, what is it? That's an optimize before you maximize approach to your hustle card there, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. <laughs> We've been in CCA language. I do have a challenge for people who are listening to this podcast who are in our circle and understand CCA language so that they can timestamp where this is. They're entered into a little contest of mine for the end of June here. Oh, so good. Yeah, absolutely. Sam, I super appreciate you and taking the time for me. And I learned a lot from this and I'm happy that I stumbled across you in the world of Twitter and <clears throat> continue to follow you. You do have a newsletter if people are interested in it. Tell us about that and where they can find it. Yeah. So my newsletter is a little bit niche specific. So it is creatordecoded.com. That is the website. And it's going to be constantly changing by the time someone hears this. So creatordecoded.com slash S. I write about my journey to building my portfolio of personal brands that I have equity in up to a certain revenue target. So a lot of what my content's about is just a creator in the trenches who operates as a kind of a CEO, CEO who is learning lessons the hard way. And I'm just sharing those lessons publicly so people can like learn from those lessons and be able to avoid them for themselves. Yeah. I signed up for it recently. So I got the first one it comes out once oh. a week and, uh, and I thank you for that. 
It doesn't come out every day. <laughs> and um, I thought it was a beautiful over the shoulder in terms of seeing what you're doing and how you're doing it and why you're doing it. And uh, yeah, so I, I think it's valuable, even if it's maybe not your thing right now, but the over the shoulder about the way that you're building, I think is incredibly valuable. So I'm oh. happy to link that into the show notes here and the people that come across this show will have access to it that way. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Absolutely. Sam, I'm indebted to you. It was a great time together and, and hopefully we can do it again sometime. Dr. Nick, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Well, there you have it. That was Sam Ocean and I love to hear stories like his. Sam's story is a good balance between refusing to settle, but then also owning where your skill set needs to improve. And Sam's way of recognizing that and the way that he went about improving his skill set, for me, is just a testament that where there's a will, there's a way. Don't settle, but also be realistic about what you can provide and the skill set that you have. And if you need to do something about that skill set, then do it. When I work with people, I usually tell them that this world and the market only pay for three things, your knowledge, your skills, and your connections. And I think you heard that born through Sam's story about how he went from not knowing what he was going to do or how he was going to do it, and then finding a way by increasing his knowledge, boosting his skills, and then making meaningful connections with people. Sam is in the business of helping people. If you have an idea, if you're in the process of branding for your personal brand or your business brand, and you are trying to crack the code with digital marketing and copywriting, reach out to him. Sam's a great guy. He's a generous guy. And if he can't help you, I'm pretty sure he's going to point you in the right direction to something or someone that can help you with your branding process. As always, I want to offer a huge thanks to my listeners. If you find this episode of the Upgraded Life podcast helpful, do all the things that you know how to do. Leave it a five-star review. Uh, give it a thumbs up. Whatever you can do, wherever you're listening to this episode, uh, give it some love on the socials. That just helps me, helps the algorithm, helps the powers that be to let the world know that this is a valuable resource for people. As always, I have some special offers for folks, and particularly you listeners of the Upgraded Life podcast. You know that I've been helping men with uh, destructive anger. I've been helping them to develop the skills necessary in order to get complete control over anger. So if you're a man and you're listening to this and you've been given an ultimatum, get this fixed or else, uh, don't waste any time and don't work with somebody who isn't an expert. I'm going to bring you expert intervention using time-tested and proven skills and tools to help you get complete control of your anger. You can find all that information about my anger resolution program in the show notes below. I've been able to show more and more people how to boost their education about all things blockchain, all things Bitcoin. I have two e-courses and a community to support your knowledge in those areas. If you're starting from zero knowledge, that's okay. Uh, my Crypto 101 course will help you get to up to speed. If you are beyond uh, Crypto 101 and you want to learn how to start investing in crypto, then my Crypto 201 course is going to be for you. Those are under the brand, The Ultimate Crypto Startup. And again, you can find the links to those programs in the show notes below. Now I want to talk to you about one of the most exciting opportunities that I have ever been able to offer the people in my audience, in my community, those people that follow me. 
So here it is. I'd say over the last three to four years, I've been plugged into a particular community. And this community has grown and evolved over time. And it has now gotten to the place to where I am able to help onboard people into this community. Why would you want to be part of this community? Let me tell you. If you've been tracking or following me over the last handful of years, you probably have asked the question, how does Nick do all this stuff? How did he figure out how to launch a podcast? How does he run social media channels? How did he convert his income from a traditional nine-to-five job to a non-standard online business revenue platform where I get to work when I want and however much I want, depending on what the need is at the time? Well, I'm here to tell you I didn't do it all on my own. Of course, I had to take my own action. I had to put in my own effort. But I've been supported by a community for the last handful of years. And without that community, I would have not been able to do any of the things that I'm doing right now. That community is known as the Guardian Academy. And the Guardian Academy has everything that anybody needs to upgrade their life and to live the life that they truly want. The Guardian Academy offers an online community that you have access to 24-7. They offer weekly calls with true masters in all sorts of disciplines, ranging from real estate to human development to creating online revenue streams. You name it. Anything that has to do with humans being better humans, the Guardian Academy has something to offer you. When you're a member of the Guardian Academy, you also have access to live events that happen several times a year. So here's my offer. I only have the capacity to help maybe about five people join the Guardian Academy because it will take a partnership in order to meet all of the requirements. It's not a simple buy your way in, join and get started. You have to put in some work and I'm offering to help you do the work so that you can be a full-fledged member of the Guardian Academy. So if you're interested in that and you want to know more about how to get the process started, there'll be a link in the show notes below, or you could go to the website www.tgaportal.com. There'll be a couple of videos there for you to watch. And then if you're still interested, fill out the form and that'll get you on my email list, and I'll be sure to reach out to you and give you all the information that you need. Again, I only have capacity to work with about five people to join the Guardian Academy with me being the guide. So if you have any interest at all in that, I would say don't delay. Fill out that form. Let me know that you're interested because it's going to be the first five. And after that, I don't know. I may not ever do it again, um, but I am going to be committed to five people who want to join the Garden Academy. I'll leave you here with another final thank you for being in my audience. Thank you for listening to the Upgraded Life podcast. This is me, Dr. Nick Sotelo, urging you to do something today that will upgrade your life. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Upgraded Life podcast. This show doesn't exist without you, the listeners, and so I appreciate each and every one of you. If you want to show your appreciation back to me and to this podcast, there's a couple ways to do that. One way is to be subscribed to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. If you are an Apple user, you can go over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a five-star review. All of those things help. And now I want to talk about two projects that I have going that are out there that I think are very important if you're the right person for them. So the first project is my anger resolution program. And this is for men, fathers, 
that own businesses that have anger that's completely out of control. And if that's you, I have developed a program specifically for that so that you can get complete control of your anger, that you can rebuild the relationship with your loved ones, and that you can make your business more profitable. That is all contained in my anger resolution program. If you want the info about that, check out the show notes, and there'll be a link there for you for anger resolution. The other project that I have going, which is equally as important in my mind, and it's a lot of fun, is based around blockchain and cryptocurrency education. So if you've listened to this podcast this year, in 2023, you will have heard that several of them have focused on cryptocurrency. And that's not by accident. That's been a big part of my uh, free time, my extra time, and my financial strategy uh, over the last uh, 18 months or so. So I have founded, together with some partners, a organization called The Ultimate Crypto Startup, and we offer crypto education. Our Crypto 101 course is completely free, and it is designed for the person who knows traditional finance, and they're curious about the world of decentralized finance. So if that's you, but you, you don't even know what a Bitcoin is, you don't even know what blockchain is or how blockchain technology works, Crypto 101 is exactly what you need to build that knowledge into you so that way you can look at the world of decentralized finance from an informed vantage point. So Crypto 101, if you want info on that, again, look in the show notes and you will find the link for that course. All right, my listeners to the Upgraded Life podcast, I'm going to sign off for now and I'm going to urge you to do something as soon as this show is done to upgrade your life to boost your mindset. Take action today.